Uh, we're continuing our, our Lenten series. It's from the lectionary of, of UMC uh, discipleship. It's called Return to Me with All Your Heart. And today we're going to be talking about coming together. That's going to be our focus in, um, a, as we continue in this series. The passage is from 2 Corinthians, and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, we've embarked on this journey. It's a journey of the heart is what we're taking all over this course of the Lent. We're walking towards resurrection. Resurrection is starting to get in view, right? Easter's coming. But we've been embracing some ideas and some concepts, that of transformation, of, of being changed from who we are to who God would have us to be, of possibilities, that there are possibilities for us as we do the, the reflection and introspective work to, 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 to sit with God and to hear from God. New life is what this journey is all about. This is what our passage today is. But we still have work to do. The garden's still far, far away. We're not quite there yet. We can kind of see the empty tomb, and we might be tempted to, to quicken our pace. Let's get there. Let's, let's, I'm tired of, of being slow. I want to get there. Let's move now. I want to get to the Easter. I want an Easter celebration. But if we listen to Paul, we're reminded that we still need to walk slowly. And take time and walk with great care. When we started this season on Ash Wednesday, our focus was to take our time. It's our subtext in this season to slow down, <laughs> just to, to take a minute to reflect on our lives and reflect on our God and where those come together. Paul reminds us before we can get to the new creation of Easter, we have some work to do. We have some repair work to do within our own hearts and certainly within our world. So far on this journey over the last four weeks of Lent, we traveled through some fruit, fruitful fields of some barren wilderness with Abraham. We looked at the promise of a ca uh, the countless stars in the sky, promises of God both large and small, tables where all are fed. We've had a, a full four weeks getting to where we are today. This tapestry we began at the beginning of the year, if you remember back to January, we started with a tapestry made of scripture. Scripture is the cloth. Scripture is, is the fabric. The Holy Spirit is the thread that weaves it together as we seek to be one, as the Father and Son are one. That's a goal for us in this year and always, to become who God created us to be. You'll see a hashtag around here, be you for him, right? Be who you are, but be who you are for God and for his glory. So we began with this goal of looking at how we can be one as the Father 
and son are one. And we recognized pretty quick that prayer is going to have to be a big part of that. So we went into the Circle Maker series and learned that praying into the promises of God means that we can pray boldly. We can pray audaciously. If God said it, we can grab it and we can pray for it. You know, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Those plans are to give you a hope and a future. There's a hope and a future. That's a promise from God. We can pray audaciously and boldly for God to come and to just blow us away, Caden, just to knock us off of whatever's going on and lift us and carry us forward. That's our God. And he gives us that over 3,000 promises in Scripture that we get to grab hold of and pray. Today we begin to move into a, another direction. It's a direction of repentance. And repentance is one of those Christian words, right? You hear repent and you go, oh, great. Repent! But it simply means to turn away from. When we're going the wrong direction, what do we need to do? We need to turn, in, turn another direction. So when we talk about repentance, it's, it's to turn from something that, that is, is getting between us and God and turn back towards God. We repent and we turn and, and reconciliation, we are a people of reconciliation, a people that are called to be ambassadors, so we want to seek reconciliation and repair. There's a concept in the Jewish faith from our Jewish brothers and sisters that describes how they are called to respond to a world that often feels like it's coming apart at the seams. You ever feel like that, that, that you look at the world and you go, oh, we in trouble now? You know, that, that happens when we look at what's going on. This process is called tikkun olam. And in its simplest terms, it means world repair. See, we talked about this this morning. Well done. Good job. I noticed, Jonathan, you didn't answer. I'm just saying. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan's a little quiet, that's all. But it means to repair the world. It means, it means to, to when the fabric of society is, is torn, Tikkun Olam tells us that it calls us to participate in mending what is broken. To make it, but e not even more than that, to make it better than it was before it was damaged. We're the people of God. We can do this. And when it comes to the art of repairing the world, there are no shortcuts. It's not an easy fix. There's a lot going on out there. No easy answers. It's difficult. It's time-consuming. It takes effort. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take all you got in order to repair what's going on around us. We got some folks in construction? A few folks? To repair systems and structures, we usually need to tear them down, break them down to the basic level, see where the problem is, address the root cause of the failure, and then rebuild it, right? You don't just go in and, pu and put a patch on it if, if the system is broken. And it's not hard to look around the world and see that our communities, um, perhaps our, even our own families, certainly the world, and see that there are fissures and cracks where God is lost and, and God's harmonious creation is gone awry. It hasn't gone the way that it was designed to go. And tikkun olam, what I love about this concept and why we're talking about it this morning, it's not about grand gestures. It's not that I have to do it all, right? It's about doing small things. It's in recovery terms, you guys know I'm recovering. Recovery terms, it's doing the next right thing. What's the next right thing? And do that. And if we do the next right thing and then do the next right thing and then do the next right thing, then things can change. And that's what tikkun olam is. It's small displays, small acts of kindness, random acts of kindness, right? Small acts of kindness, small steps made in faith, small displays of love and solidarity. And each daily action that embodies that kind of love doesn't necessarily make an immediate large impact. 
but we keep loving and we keep walking in grace. And take a look around you. What if I take a small step? Now, you can actually do that. It's okay. <laughs> I take a small step and, and you take a step. And everyone in here takes a small step. Now do you see how this concept of tikkun olam can now grow? Because now we're having a big impact. Now we're having an impact that is bigger than any one of us and is a group known as the body of Christ making a difference in the world. And that's what we want to be. We can begin to make this new world, a whole new creation, as Paul would say, if we have the eyes to see it. I was fortunate to work on a men's walk to Emmaus. You've heard heard that about the one going on this weekend. I was serving on the one last weekend. And to be a small part of that journey for those men. And it's always an incredible gift and a blessing when someone opens up to me about something that's been going on in their life, whether it's for a long time or a short time, but they've been holding it, right? Been holding it in. I can't tell anybody about this. And when they do that, it's such a gift. See, we as human beings, and it seems men in particular, though women do it too, we, we have this, this hard time of, of letting one another into our lives at depth. You know, men especially, we, we'll tell you, talk about sports and talk about surfacey stuff, but but we don't want to talk about the deep things going on in our life. And where that usually comes from is that we did that at some point. Somebody hurt us, so what do you do? You put up a wall. Now, the funny thing about walls is if I put up a wall to keep you out, what else did I just do? I'm stuck on the other side of it. Now I'm isolated and I'm alone. And I can't tell you about it because I, I can't show that. I can't, you know, I can't show you that I'm weak and, or that, I, that I'm scared or any of that. So I can't tell you that I'm feeling that way. Here's the fortunate thing, though. We talked about a certain wall a few weeks back, right? Joshua, what does God do with walls? That's right. Fall down. A great battle plan. Walk around it seven times and yell at it. Fall down. And you know what happened, though? It fell down. God is a God who takes down walls. We can put them up, and he'll take them down if we'll let him. He can take down whatever walls we put up. And it's a small thing to lovingly listen. But it's also the thing that most of us need in our life. We need those people, a person or a small group of people that can just sit with us, that can just hear us. You don't need to even have the answer, right? You don't have to have the answer, but be there. Funny thing happens when, when one person carrying the whole load shares with somebody else. Now there's two people carrying that load, and the burden is lighter. Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all who are weary and, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I love this, and you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for your soul, not just rest for your body. You'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Matthew eleven, twenty-eight. And I can't help but wonder if that's not just about the spiritual giving over. It certainly is about giving things over spiritually. But also the tangible sharing of a burden with faith, and I emphasize faith, Christ followers. Who you share with matters. Make sure that they're, you know, I, I hate to say it. Do you know people gossip? I know none of you do. Safe Christ followers, you know. 
But when we share with saved Christ followers, then that burden is lighter. Paul wrote this in Romans 12 as well. For by the grace of God given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, hear this. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. To be one as the Father and Son are one is to live as one body together, lifting, carrying, encouraging, challenging, whatever it takes. And then out of that we have the giftedness. If, you're, if your gift is prophesying, prophesy. Serving, serve. Teach, teach. Encourage, encourage. Giving, give generously. Whatever it is. Sing, sing. Whatever it is, use that gift. If it's to lead, if it's to show mercy. It's a beautiful thing. It's an absolutely beautiful thing when we each embrace the gifts that we have. Each of us embrace the gifts that God has given to us. We belong to one another. And belong means is powerful here. We help carry one another's burdens. It lightens the burden for all. If you help carry my burden, Tammy, I don't have to carry the whole stupid thing. Now it's, you know, and, and, and Katie, if you'll carry some of it. Now I got three people. And Dave, if you'll carry, you see how this works if we belong to one another, if we live that out. In our main passage today, Paul is urging the gathered community in Corinth. He's telling them to expand their vision, to see that everything has become new. And this kind of seeing moves us beyond what our eyes can see. Humanity, us as people, we have this tendency to focus on what we don't have. We focus on the broken. We focus on what's not here. We focus on what's limiting. We focus on what's imperfect, both in ourselves. I got a club that I can hit myself with, and I know some of y'all do too. And, but we do that, and we beat ourselves up, and, and we focus on what's, what's in the world, stuff that, that is wrong instead of what's right, and it keeps us stuck. But what if we change that? What if? What if on our way to building a new and a better world, all the limits we put on people and all the limits uh, we put on things is dismantled? What if we take that apart and started to see the world through the eyes of Christ? We started to see things differently we saw the differences that we have, those human differences and the challenges as opportunities. Instead of, instead of a negative, it's a positive. They're opportunities to expand the reign of God on earth. What if we started seeing differently? See, Jesus did. Who do you hang out with? Yeah, he didn't, he didn't take, you know, he hung out with anybody. He hung out with Pharisees, too. He didn't treat them very nice, but he hung out with them. Jesus saw through all barriers, all boundaries, broke them to the point where even death lost its finality. He broke the bond of death. Jesus saw through the brokenness. He saw through the hopelessness. He poured himself out to the point where love conquered all. Love conquered all. Some of you know this song. And what if, what if part of our Lenten discipline involved learning to see with grace-healed eyes? Grace healed eyes. What if we learned how to see with a newer and broader vision so that the widening of our vision led to the widening of our hearts? We focused on the threads of creation. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. Bind us together with love. We are called to love. 
What if we focus on those threads that bind us together and through this work of reconciliation and putting ourselves out there, we begin to stitch the threads of a new creation. Threads that bind us closer to one another, where we belong to one another, closer to God as well. And Paul's writing just it was, a, was recalling something that Isaiah wrote. This theme of God's has been around for a long time. Isaiah 43, 18, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Don't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Paul is continuing an ancient theme, telling us the new creation is always and everywhere in our midst, and it always has been. It's always being created, and it's created in us through Christ. We are God's vision. We are the ones that are resurrected with Christ. We're the ones that, while walking in the wilderness, we found living water in the desert. We're the woman at the well. And I hope that we become willing to go to the town and tell them that we just met Jesus and he just changed our life. It's no longer enough to simply see and perceive that a new world is possible. We got to do you and I are agents of reconciliation. We are not called to just be here one day a week and not worry about this any other time. We are called to live this out in our day-to-day life. It's what we're about here at Arbor Point Church at West Jackson, by the way. Paul proclaims this. He says, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Anyone? Anyone. All? All. Are you in Christ? You're a new creation. If you're in this congregation and you're, you're in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. The Lenten wilderness that we're traveling in, that's our frame for this season, wilderness. And it's a place where it becomes necessary to shred or shed some of our old shred. We might need to shred some of our old ways <laughs> as well. To let go of the sin and the selfishness and the greed and the stuff that keeps us from God. To make room for a new and a resurrected life. Next week, we're going to spend some time on that, too. Paul asked his community and us to be reconciled. You see it up here. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know who us is? Yeah, it's us. We, we, you know who we is. Yeah. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us it's up to us guys god sends the spirit to empower us but we we got to it's up to us it's up to us we need to open our hearts to dream of a world fully reconciled fully renewed this resurrected world fully restored thy kingdom come thy will be done where on earth as it is in heaven That's a now statement, by the way, when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Many of us, though, and I get this too, we resist the new vision and a new way of living. Kind of like it, right? I'm kind of comfortable. I don't really want to change a whole lot. So we remain in our old clothes and our old lives. But here's the thing, and I experienced this last weekend at Emmaus, and and I love when it happens. If you encounter the living God, you will not emerge from that encounter unchanged. It will change you. Amen? It, it just is the way that it is. When God gets you, you know, you, you, you don't get to keep just ignoring. You know, he sees us. He grabs us. He pursues us. And, and when we see human injustice and indignity with the eyes of Christ, we have to step in. We are compelled to start this work of repair, this tikkun olam, this work of mending. The world's never, never going to get a glimpse of God's vision unless we share it. You and I, the body of Christ, it's up to us. 
We have to make the concerted effort to change hearts and lives, and most, most importantly, our own. It's where love is calling us to go. We are a people of love. God is love. It's what love is calling us to bind and to build, to create places of healing, and to bind it back together in Christ. So we want to point to the places where water flows in the desert. Micah 6, 8. What does that say? What does the Lord require of you, O man, but to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God? See, Arbor Point Church at West Jackson, our vision statement, our purpose is to inspire people to fulfill God's calling in their lives to help lead people from where they are to where God would have them to be. We seek to be a place of healing, a place of reconciliation. You see that in the ministries that we do from Celebrate Recovery, where it doesn't matter what the hurt, habit, or hang-up is, you can come and you have a safe place to be. To the Mighty, our special needs ministry, Grow to Be You Day School, where we're helping kids grow to be who God created them to be. We, have, we partner with iServe and the food bank and the bags of love that they do, one race movement to push against racism. West Jackson Elementary School through the Good News Club and Issa Martinez, the counselor there, will fulfill needs. Piedmont Rape Crisis Center. Where we, and Susan will take gift cards anytime. Some of the women that, that, that end up with Susan, um, they need gas and they need food. They just, so gift cards are always welcome at, for, with Susan Schinnerman at Piedmont Rape Crisis Center. And this reach will expand as we grow. And as our ministry grows, and as your giftedness dictates where we go, because you are, it's not up to just me or just the leaders, it's us. Who's the body of Christ? We the body of Christ. And it's beautiful when we do that. It's beautiful. So take your time. Take your time today. Take your time this week, this season. Where is it that you are called to ministry? Where is it that God has gifted you? And how does he want to use you? This is Lent. And this is what the Lenten season is for. It's not just about giving up chocolate or whatever you gave up. Those are good things. But the purpose of that is to draw you nearer to God and seek to live into the calling he has for you and to discover that, to reflect and, and, and embrace and walk into it. But take your time. Take the time. But take your time. This is not a slow world, right, TJ? It's going fast. So we take our time. And I was reminded this weekend in a talk that if you want to see what your true priority is, you look at three different things. What do I spend my time thinking about? What is it that's on my mind? Take a look at your, for, for us old people, look at your checkbook for newer folks, your online statement. Where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your money? And what do you do? What do you spend your time doing? If you look at what you spend your time thinking about, if you look at where you spend your money, and if you look at what you spend your time doing, you'll find out what your real priority is. You know, I may say, well, my priority is God, but if I'm not spending time with God, and if all my time is spent doing other things, then I'm just saying that, and it's not where my real, authentic priority is. My actions will tell me that. So that's what this season is, to reflect and to figure these things out. But here's the great news. No bashing yourself. No bashing yourself. If you go, oh, man, I'm missing the mark. 
Okay, that's what we're here for. That's what Lent is, is to be able to spend that time to examine yourself, to change what needs changing. There's a new life in Christ, and it's waiting for you, and it's waiting for me. And this is what I end every week with, because I really, really want you to grab hold of this. So say it with me. Let's do it that way. God is with you. Hang on, that doesn't sound as good. Say me instead of you. God is with me. God is for me. God is ahead of me because God loves me. Take that with you everywhere you go this week.